This episode of the What If Podcast is brought to you in part by Button Poetry, where poetry isn't dead. Find real stories you'll want to listen to and art you'll actually care about by visiting them today at buttonpoetry.com. Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. It's the What If Podcast. Weird, Gorder's back. Weird, hey, Gorder. Two weeks in a row, my Man, guy. I've been sleeping on the couch for the last seven days. It's been <laughs> tight. Spencer's wife hates me. It's, <laughs> it's tubular, dude. Hey, but that couch is pretty sweet, though, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's a radical couch. And anyone who has loved Spencer or Spencer loves has probably spent a night on that couch at some point. I love a lot of people on that couch, bro. <laughs> It's my thing. <laughs> well, well put. Um, <laughs> we are back. It is the What It Podcast. Gorder is here with us again. We are in part three now of a series. Shit going missing. Of shit going missing. Uh, what if you? What have you disappeared? Part three today. If you haven't listened to the previous parts one and two, uh, we won't get super into the things we talked about in one and two, but they will help. I think. Uh, yeah, this is a Bigfoot free episode. Yes, true. All but, right. But, so, yeah, if that means you got to bail, just cut and run on this episode now, I I'm understand. Not, if hit you're that only couch here, again, baby. <laughs> if you're only here for the Bigfoot, I feel you. That's that's me, too. Ooh. I'm going to try and power through this lame-ass episode, though. Where's the space ape? <laughs> Shit sucks. Space ape, that should be one. No skinwalkers, I ain't listening. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, we Death- have a... Death Valley Germans. No, nah, whatever. We're no, getting no, into no. the story, bro. Let's do it. The story. Spencer's ready. I'm with the story too. I got I got all kinds of questions, but let's let's kick it off. The Death Valley Germans is the is the subject of today's What If You Disappeared. I don't remember where or when I first came across this one. It was probably on Reddit. There's a high likelihood. Oh, Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> but I we're gonna be pulling, I think, entirely from an article written by Tom Mahood. Source from otherhand.org. Which um which is which is Tom's actual personal website. Yes. And um the reason that we will be pulling, I think, primarily from that is because this is all firsthand account and firsthand documentation of this story and this experience. The vast majority of it, yeah. The vast majority. I and have not heard this story. And I'm extremely excited. Yeah, I think you're, you're going to like ride. this one. I'm that um, guy, the movie you don't want to sit behind. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing to just to say really quickly, um, uh, you know, whatever you're doing right now, obviously don't run away to otherhand.org, but if you do go to otherhand.org, um, we'll, we'll post some of this stuff in uh, on the website, on whatifpodcast.com as it relates to this episode. But there's a lot of really great pictures and maps and um, things that, like, if you were to just read Tom's story, you might be like, well, where's the proof? But there's, like, a lot of proof of Tom doing and taking photos of the things that we're about to talk about in this episode. a pretty incredible job of documenting every step of this whole story. Yeah, Tom, I would say Tom is a... uh, well, he, he in his uh, in his writings, he actually takes offense at one point to uh, to being referred to as an enthusiast. But I don't entirely know what else to call. I mean, he's a researcher, but he is a. Uh, oh, he he uh, participated in search and rescue missions. He, he was, did. He uh, did. I forget what the name of the organization is, but yeah, he, he's active in search and rescue missions. Sure. I, I guess. I guess maybe what I'm maybe what I'm 
trying to illuminate here is that uh, Tom's account of this entire story that is on otherhand.org is just sort of his personal account for the sake yeah. of telling his own story. Yes. Um, which we can uh, we can elaborate on and will, I guess, elaborate on as we go here. October 21st, 96, in Death Valley National Park, California, United yeah. States. Yeah. A park ranger is flying in a helicopter over the southern part of the park as part of a routine effort to locate drug manufacturing facilities. Our So Death Valley National Park, for those who don't know, outside of Las Vegas, Nevada, northwest of Las Vegas proper, a sizable national park in that region. Yeah. We're in California, though, correct? And it's 1996. You uh, said helicopters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it on the border of Vegas? Or it's it's just outside of Vegas, but it's on the border of uh, Nevada and California. Google me, baby. Google, Google me, maps baby. That shit, Google me, baby. Okay, you're you're correct. So yeah. the the eastern border of Death Valley National Park is the border of California and yeah. Vegas, but it is entirely in California. Yeah, the the park itself is, but but yeah. the closest big city we can give you is, sure, it's is like, Vegas. It's like due west of Vegas. Yep. Okay. 1996, yes, quarter, not 18 or 17. <laughs> With or, those, you know, old helicopters, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The flying machines. <laughs> yeah, those such. 1800s yeah. helicopters, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, they're looking for, I guess, it's so remote out there that it is a likely place for people to hide and make and distribute drugs. Sure. Secretively. Of all sorts. So I, they would routinely fly helicopters over the area and try and spot this activity. Sure. They did not spot any drug manufacturing or distribution, but they did see a vehicle in Anvil Canyon, which is about and about two and a half miles into the canyon from where it likely would have entered. Not just any vehicle, though, a minivan. Well, yeah, this <laughs> was this, normal for 1996. This was weird no doubt, for, no doubt. for a couple of reasons. The yeah. first being that there's not a road there. Right. And motorized vehicles are actually prohibited in the area. Yes. So whoever drove there ignored these rules and drove... And ignored the concept of roads. (laughs) And drove several miles off-road in, not a Jeep or an SUV or some sort of... uh, It was a Plymouth Voyager. Oh, I'm so so sorry. Not an Astrovan? (laughs) It was a green Plymouth Voyager. Uh, So they see this this van from, from the air... They land nearby and go over to inspect it. And the vehicle was stuck in the sand. So they were in this wash of this valley, fairly soft sand. There's no road. And the the <coughs> tires had sunk into the sand far enough that it was just totally suck, stuck. And the van also had three out of four tires flat. I think the thing I saw said it, uh, had likely been like based on the tracks had been driving for hundreds of feet, if not more, uh, with flat tires. So yeah, I guess I could tell. I well, if you had a flat tire, I suppose the the imprint the, that your tire would leave would be rims, wider, or it would be yeah, the rims cutting in yeah. or something like that. So they drove this van two and a half miles into this valley, into this wash with no road, got three flat tires, and then. Got stuck. And the van had apparently been there for a while because it was totally covered in in dust. The vehicle was locked, and there was no one in the area. They also didn't see any tracks in the immediate vicinity of of the van. Yep. They note this. The park rangers get in contact with LAPD, 
and they find out that the van was actually reported stolen on September 10th, so about six weeks prior. Yep. And that it was a rental that was due back on July 26th, but had never been returned. It indeed was. <laughs> Thank you for that, that <laughs> I was insight. Gonna, no, I was going to add something, but I'm going to wait to add the I thing I was going to I talking about like a quip about how they're not going to get their deposit back. Well, that's a real part of that okay, I'm, concept. I'm, you know, so no. the police were able to then get the names of the people who had rented the van from the rental company and found out that there was an Interpol alert for these four people that was uh, registered on August 14th. And the four people were Egbert Rimkis. hey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry, fame. Egbert Rimkis? Rim- Rimkis. Rimkis. R-I-M-K-U-S. Did J.K. Rowling write this? <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Uh, his son, George or... Georg? Um, George um, without an E. How do we say that? I'm going to say George. I like Georg. Georg. <laughs> Georg. I'm going to say George. Sounds like a vampire sidekick. All right, George Weber. Uh, he was in the grilling business. Yep. He was 11-year-old son of Egbert Rimkus, George yep. Weber. Egbert's girlfriend, Cornelia Meyer, mm-hmm. who was 28 years old, and her son, Max Meyer, who was four years old. Yeah. So we've got two adults, 34 and 28, and two kids, 11 and 4. Yep. The reason it was Interpol was because these four people were German yep. and were on vacation from Frankfurt. The group had left Frankfurt on and arrived in Seattle on July 8th and then immediately caught another flight to L.A. where they picked up the rental van. The van was in Cornelia's name because Egbert didn't have a license, I guess. It was due back, like we said, on July 26th, and they had flights out of L.A. to Germany on July 27th. They did not board that flight, and there's no evidence that they ever left the country or arrived back in Germany. Yep. For the first week that they were in the U.S., they stayed in uh, the San Clemente area of Southern California doing some just tourist stuff. And then on the 12th, Egbert made a call to his bank requesting that $1,500 be wired to a Bank of America branch in San Clemente. Let me get my monies. Yeah, and they they had also contacted a family member asking that they send money as well. Mm-hmm. So they were there for what the eighth through the twenty seventh. So three weeks. Yeah, just under three weeks, and they needed additional funds twice. And fifteen hundred and ninety six. That's a that's a decent I mean, chunk of money now for me right now. Right. Yeah, and right. that was one of two requests. I think the other was about the same. So they asked for. 3000 additional dollars for a three-week vacation? And is San Clemente in this area? Is that part of the... Is it very close to Death Valley, within Death Valley? It is not within it. I think it's further south. Yeah. Do you... I'm going to defer to Ryan on LA geography. Yeah, LA geography. San Clemente is not that close. It's like a couple hours away. Okay. Okay. And do you know in what direction? Southwest. Is part of the LA hub of cities, I imagine. Um... It it's I think it's south and east of Los Angeles, and it's like maybe due west or south and west. There's of somebody Vegas. listening to this right now from San Clemente. Yeah, who's just like you okay. fucking idiots? It, yeah, <laughs> am, am, let's, am let's I roughly action, correct? You're you're close. It's, right. it's down the coast south of LA. Yeah, uh, about let's see how far that is. Uh oh, it's not it's not far. It's about sixty miles south of okay, LA. An hour. Yeah, 
hour, okay. hour and 15 south of LA. All right. So they, they stay in the San Clemente area for about a week and then ask for money twice. They then traveled the California coast a bit, and they're getting this information, by the way, based on a camera that was later recovered from the van. So they have a roll of film or several rolls of film that they took on their vacation. Yeah. That I Which, guess were dated? Yeah, dated and recovered in the van. Okay. Uh, when the van itself was found in uh, Death Valley National Park. I'm spooked as heck. I'm spooked as heck. They traveled the coast on July 21st. They asked for money again from, it was Egbert's, oh, his ex-wife of all people. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just, Do you think wow. she called him Eggy? <laughs> I, bet, yes. I bet she didn't, I bet she didn't give him any money. She called oh. him sunny side up. Wait, hold up, hold up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He hit up his ex-wife for money? Yes. Now, see, I have an ex-wife. You never asked her for money? <laughs> Fuck no. Dude, I've been laid on rent. I've almost been in foreclosure. <laughs> I never even crossed my mind. <laughs> and, and I bet it's super... See, this is, this is what you're here for, Gordon. This is a great insight. <laughs> and I bet it super wouldn't have crossed your mind if you were on an international vacation with your new girlfriend. So I'm with this super hot girl. You know, it's me, Eggy, baby. Hey, just, come on, Eggy. Don't you, 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 you. Egg, it's Eggy, baby. I can't get over Egbert. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, don't, you don't need to get over it. It's good. Shockingly, those funds were never sent. They checked out of their hotel on July 22nd and proceeded via Voyager to the <laughs> Plymouth Voyager, not the spaceship, to Death Valley. That's as much as they know about their trip. I think it's entirely based on photographs that they're able to recover. Shady as fuck. It is pretty weird. The day yeah. after they find the, the minivan in the wash, the National Park Service and the Inyo, is that how you say that? Inyo. Inyo? Yep, Inyo. Inyo County Sheriff's Office started a search for the four missing people. I-N-Y-O. Yes. Inyo County. Inyo County. <laughs> I'm all up Inyo County. <laughs> there were no footprints near the van, but they found a few food wrappers and a couple of shitholes. They had dug holes in which to shit. Ooh. Good idea when you're camping. I you mean, got to shit somewhere. Yeah, it's got to happen somewhere. <laughs> Obo. Inside the van, they found. This is. I'm gonna list all the things that were inside yeah, this green Plymouth Voyager. Yeah. Yep. 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 You, Gorder, you're our <laughs> objective listener. If we say anything that doesn't make any sense, stop us. Okay. Oh, all right. I got your boygans. <laughs> inside the van, they found. It wasn't that funny. They found <laughs> I, two. I really <laughs> found it funny. He loved it. That dude he loved some it. Weird Don't judge shit. him. Don't That's judge real. him. Hey, shout it. out to basketball, Spencer. <laughs> like, that hey. weird. Hey, you, hey, you laughed, go. bro. <laughs> that shit worked. Embarrassed myself. <laughs> they found two unopened bottles of Bud Ice and one empty bottle. Remember, you got, remember when uh, beers were putting out ice because yeah, it was like supposed to be super cold? Yeah. Sorry, man. I'm but, not, you're right. no, that's, no, you're right. That's it's, important. It's important to the time pogs? period. <laughs> <laughs> I used to drink butt ice and play pogs <laughs> back when I was 10. They found one empty and one three-quarters full bottle of bourbon, so they were trying to have a fucking party. Ew. They found some large water and juice bottles. They found their luggage and their clothes. They found several rolls of film and a camera. A sleeping bag, an empty sleeping bag box, a tent, a pipe, tobacco pipe, a leather card carrier containing bank cards and a credit card, a card from the Seahorse Resort in San Clemente, and Ew. some kids' toys, and a spare tire. All right, all right, all right. So we got one, one sleeping bag, 
one sleeping bag and one empty sleeping bag box. So it's not clear if so that possibly is possibly two sleeping bags. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll kind of get to that later. Okay. Heard. There was also an American flag that had a label on it from Excuse me. They also had an American flag that was uh had a label on it from the Butte Valley Stone Cabin, which was lo- a cabin located about 4 miles west of where they found the van. And it's a shelter that's stocked with food and water and stuff, uh, I think, for to use sort of as like a base camp for people who are going out camping and hiking into Death Valley. From Butte. Yeah. Okay. So they determined from that that they had at some point been at this cabin mm-hmm. about four miles west of where they found the van. That's what they determined on the first day. The second day, they towed the, the van out of the canyon and they started a search for these four people. I think now is a really good time to talk a little bit about Death Valley as a concept. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, fucked up over there. I mean, well, it's called Death Valley. Yeah. It's called, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you true, true, true. if you didn't know, uh, Death Valley is, uh, I would say, an unforgiving place, uh, hence the name. Yeah. And... Um, they actually did some when they were once this search started they did some retroactive sort of weather analysis of turns out it was hot as fuck yeah of, of in death valley you say yeah no no <laughs> shit right but, but the, I, it was worse than i would have guessed it was also worse than i would have guessed as well and and i think it is important to the like the entire underlying layer of this whole story mm-hmm. to understand what this area was like at this time. So Lay it July, on the How yeah. Hot? So July in uh, July in Death Valley, late July in Death Valley, um, highs of one hundred and twenty three to one hundred and twenty five degrees Fahrenheit, and lows. And by lows, I mean overnight like, in a desert at, low at night. When it's fucking dark yeah. out in it the desert, get cold. Uh, uh, no, it turns out <laughs> Jesus. this turns one does out, not. Apparently, turns out in July in Death Valley, the coldest it gets at night is ninety-one degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus, the low on the day that they went missing was ninety-six. <sighs> yeah, ninety-six. A little degrees. aside for you, I biked here today. It was about a mile. And it's about 80 degrees today? Yeah, 83. And I, yep. It took me an hour to stop sweating. We're maybe? halfway through our second episode and you just stopped sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Uh, but, I, but I do think it's, um, it is valuable to understand that the underlying texture of this entire story is that... It was that hot as balls. It was insane. Like, not just hot as balls. It was, like, maybe the hottest temperature you could possibly Well, that's approach. why they had the Bud Ice, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they should have been cool. fine. <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna take you only so far <laughs> in the world of, of regulating your if internal I, you temperatures. You know, I can't think of a better bourbon drinking temperature than 123 <laughs> oh, degrees. God. Oh, Dude, God. they cashed an entire bottle of bourbon in a minivan between the two of them when it was 124. Well, they cashed more than that. We'll get to that at later. In a too, place but. called Death Valley, fam, I think you might have died. Yeah. yeah, I think the answer here is that somebody died. Somebody's dead. To be real, though, we're talking about. These people, the fact that the van was in this location means these people dove headfirst into a very unforgivable landscape. I mean, legitimately not even a fucking road here in unforgivably hot temperatures. You know who drives minivans off of roads? 
Walter White. People who finish <laughs> bottles of bourbon. <laughs> I guess there's that. I guess there's that. Yeah, dude, I'll have like two bourbons and be like, I don't know where I am. <laughs> I don't even own a minivan. Okay. The next day, which is now October 23rd, they start a full-on search for the four missing people. And they, they find out that the the whole group had signed a visitor's log on the on July 23rd. And on it, they wrote their names and they wrote, quote, we are going over the pass, which was determined to likely be Mengel Pass, which was located a few miles from Anvil Canyon at the end of the valley. And it was the only way in which to cross the Panamint Mountain Range. So they, they left a note at this visitor center in this log that they were going over this pass okay. through the mountains. However... This route is, you either got to hike it or you've got to have some crazy four-wheel off-roading vehicle. They had a Plymouth Voyager. Yeah, but did it have like the wood grain panels on the side? Because <laughs> then you really... It wasn't a town and country, fam. It was, it was the Voyager. <laughs> you're right, you're okay? right, you're right. Because then you're really prepared for nature. If it's wood paneled, you good. Blending right in. It's my goal in life to own a Jeep Wagoneer with the wood paneling. Sure. Grand Wagoneer. Sorry, Grand Wagoneer. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I've heard a rumor that they're bringing them back at some point. I need that shit to happen so I can buy one. Hey, you guys, patreon.com slash what if podcast. <laughs> if you want to support the Patreon, we're going to buy a wood paneled okay. Wagoneer. I am you not go, joining your all's Patreon. If you, <laughs> if you, <laughs> no, 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 listen, listen, listen. <laughs> this benefits all of us, Gordon. Yeah. Don't you fuck if, with me. <laughs> if you go throw 10 bucks at our Patreon right now, not only will I mail you a mug that it turns out costs $9 to ship, so that shit's basically free. Yeah, right. My bad. I can't <laughs> weigh things before I buy them. I will ship you a free mug and... It's going to get us $10 closer to buying a Jeep Grand Wagoneer, which is only like $4,000 these days because they uh, stopped making them in the 80s. Can we call it the What which, If Mobile? Hold on. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And our first trip is going to be a road trip to Colorado to investigate cattle mutilations. And you guys will get some firsthand cattle mutilation reports exclusive to Patreon. I'm making shit up, so I'm going to get back to the story. <laughs> uh, Give no, me your money, please. It's all true. <laughs> all of it. That's the moral of the story. All right. They start searching for the group. They put out 40-plus people on the ground. They put out two helicopters, and they put out eight people on horseback. It was a four-day search. Four-day-long search in the desert in the 124-degree heat. They had, at one point, over 100 people out there searching. And they spent $80,000, which today would be the equivalent of about $125,000. The only thing they turned up with the search was another Bud Ice bottle, and, <laughs> yep, and a and a large butt print about a mile and a half east of the van. Hey, Bud Ice and butts, they go right on together. <laughs> it's real, dude. It's real. That sounds like a good night right there. You got some Bud Ice. You got a couple butts. It's fucking party. Someone had apparently sat down in the shade of a small bush. To drink a Bud Ice. Mm-hmm. So they spent $125,000 to find an empty beer bottle and someone's ass print. Right. Jesus. After four days and after having covered a pretty large area around the van, they called it off having found really no additional information. One thing that I think is sort of, uh, sort of important to note is during the search with all this money, they were enlisting 
the Riverside Mountain Rescue Unit, which is the rescue, uh, the the human rescue unit of that area of basically Western Nevada and Eastern California. Um, people who are experienced in searching in like desert areas in uh, specifically in the Death Valley National Park. I mean, this is a pretty, even though it's a very unforgiving landscape, it's a pretty popular national park for people to visit and, and, and hike and, and yeah. look into. Um, and, and during the course of their search before they called it off, they were, they were doing and employing all of the knowledge of people who had been in that area, who had searched that area um, who who thought about sort of the potential and probable directions of these people. We actually talked about this in part two about the concept of people locking arms and combing fields. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily not that type of search, but it was also the type of search where you had helicopters and you had people that were like very experienced in looking for people in these types of areas. Well, and they, they use that experience to identify specific locations where these people would have been likely to have gone. Right. And then in those locations, they did comb it basically yes, arm to arm exactly. as thoroughly as they could. Exactly. And I guess what I'm trying to say well, there's about no that. there's no shrubbery really. There's no, you know, there's no, very there's barren. not a lot. Yeah. No very forest, barren. You know. Again, go to whatifpodcast.com and we'll have some pictures up that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and, and borrow from otherhand.org or you can just go to otherhand.org and look at some of these pictures. But yeah, to your point, Gordon, like it's, it's rocks. It's the, like resting in shrubbery or like the shade of a bush is, is generous. I mean, there's not, you're not looking at trees. You're looking at like small bushes. How far was the aspirant uh, from the van? Again, About a mile and a half. Mile and a half. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've kind of laid out the basics yep. of those first few days, the yep. initial search, what we know for sure. Right. Let's take a quick break. Yep. And then we'll come back with uh, when Tom Mahood gets involved with the case and what he figured out. Yeah, we'll tell you how he got involved and what he proceeded to discover when we come right back on the What If Podcast. This episode of the What If Podcast is brought to you in part by Button Poetry. Check them out right now by visiting buttonpoetry.com. Button Poetry is nothing like the traditional poetry you heard in high school, and they're certainly not the same old, boring dead guys that are going to put you to sleep. Button Poetry features poets of all ages, races, sexual orientations, and backgrounds, and as a poetry press and an online destination for spoken word and slam poetry videos, Button Poetry publishes poetry that moves people. They believe that real current stories and real current voices are more necessary now than ever. So check out everything they have to offer. There's books, there's videos, there's commentary, there's learning, there's education. There's so much stuff uh, that you can get by checking them out at buttonpoetry.com. Today, you will fall in love with poetry all over again, or maybe for the very first time. Hey, we're back talking about 
German people in the desert. Yep, they're not good at it. It's not, it's not natural, man. They don't have deserts. They don't know what to do out there. They're driving minivans into the sands. <laughs> is that a fact? Do we know that Germans don't There's have deserts? There's no desert in Germany. I don't think so. Well, I think they got forests right. and hills and stuff. They got mountains. To be yeah, fair. Those aren't deserts. <laughs> fair. That's why they have a different, that's why there's a different word. <laughs> the to, jungles of Germany. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I will say that there are probably no humans alive who are super good at dealing with 124 degree temperatures. But Not mostly lizards. Well, yeah, yeah. It's mostly the snakes and the lizards. Yep. All right. So where we left off, the the German crew went missing. They abandoned their Plymouth Voyager. Egberton fam. Yep. There was a uh, a search and rescue that turned up one. I, I wasn't going to say Egbert because I knew Gordon couldn't handle it. I that <laughs> name. I, I said it because I wanted to see him lose it again. They, they did a search over about four days. They spent a bunch of money. All they found was a butt ice bottle. I think that's yeah. where we left. And a butt print. It is. And, and a butt, butt print. print. Multiple yeah. butt, butt and a butt bottles. print. That's the yeah. name of my new country album. <laughs> so in 2008, we're fast forwarding 12 years. A fellow by the name of Tom Mahood comes across the site, uh, comes across the case on a Death Valley hiking forum yep. of all places. Yep, he was a he was a hiking ass dude. He was interested in search and rescue efforts. Lived in the southwest of the United States. Yep, and in 2009 he starts actually working in search and rescue, and he starts asking around about this case of the missing Germans that he had come across the year prior. At one of these trainings, he meets a woman named Debbie Brietstein, who was on the original search team for the Germans and who also possessed a lot of the original documentation about the case. So she was able to supply him with a bunch of the information that wasn't necessarily publicly available and also connect him with some other people who had been working on the case in the 12 years since the official search had stopped. Tom concludes through a bunch of this information and stop me if you want to get more specific on yep. any of this stuff. I'm sort of his his write up on his own website is extremely in depth. Yeah. Uh sort of for better or worse. If you if you want to get really down into the nitty gritty, you can. I'm gonna try and hit just the the most pertinent points. For sure. And and I'll leave you to the high points if if there's anything that I feel like is essential, I will totally pop in. But yeah, I mean if you guys if you guys really want to read the I mean, it's got to be close to 30,000 words. It's, it's it, it took super me in-depth. at least an hour to read it. Yeah, it took me a couple hours yeah. too. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Uh, go ahead. So Tom meets up with Debbie. He gets some of the, the documentation and the information that she had. She directs him to some other people who have been gathering information on the case. And he compiles all of this. And he concludes to, through all of this information that every area that the Germans likely would have gone once they got stranded had been thoroughly searched. Yep. And he starts combing through on the internet and in forums some ex- explanations and a, there's a bunch of speculation about what might have happened to this family. None of these seem especially plausible to me, but I'm just going to run through them because yeah. this is what he was trying to weed through at the time. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's important to note that like when when there is so little evidence found and so little concrete knowledge, even though there is some firsthand documentation of it, the internet does what the internet be doing, which is just speculate itself into a tizzy around mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. could have possibly happened to these people in this situation. So some of that speculation included that the Germans had possibly staged the incident uh, <clears throat> in an effort to disappear and start new lives. 
This was given some momentum because Egbert's ex-wife, the one he asked for fifteen hundred dollars, that never um, got sent, said that they, the two of them, had some custody issues with their son. Coworkers of Egbert's also stated that he had talked about moving to Costa Rica, which he thought would provide some sort of legal shelter if he were to kidnap his son and bring him with. And, and to and to be clear, this is the son that is with them on the trip. So his so his new yeah, girlfriend yeah. and her son are there, and Oof, Egbert's his, not coming out looking good. On yeah, Egbert any and side. his son and his ex uh, with his ex is also on the trip together. So to Who that he point, he had talked to his coworkers about possibly kidnapping and taking to Costa Rica. Ooh, oh Maybe. the kid. Oh right, not the yeah, not the ex. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, First of all, terrible idea. Don't do that. Secondly, <laughs> if you're going to don't kidnap your own kids, don't tell people about it. Yeah, if you're gonna kidnap your before kids. you go on an international trip with that kid, uh, parody, parody, parody. Everything we say on the show is a joke. We're not recommending or not recommending anything <laughs> we're talking about. I'm super not recommending kidnapping. I don't yes, know about yes. you. <laughs> no, we're saying we're saying but if you're gonna do this, don't do this. Right, 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 right. None of this is serious. Yeah, no, this don't kidnap anybody. That's a that's considered a dick move. Yes. <laughs> Um, one of the other explanations was that Egbert was really fascinated with U.S. military technology and especially secret military installations and bases. I, you, you look like you have things to say. Well, no, I just had a question about that. So I saw that theory raised as well. Was there any like documentation about that theory that related? Was it was it just because there is so? Uh, you you wouldn't have any reason to know this having just listening to the show, but there are military bases in Nevada and California, sort of. They in, were within a few miles of one. Of one, they were. And there's another one that was like, whatever, 14 miles away, or I can't remember what it was. The, the one thing that uh, Mahood brings up is that this was sort of the height of the Area 51 online speculation it was before anything about area 51 was declassified how close is that to death valley not especially um and that that's what he would to that point he was saying if or if uh egbert was interested in that sort of thing area 51 would have been the obvious destination right it was all over the internet it there was a ton of hype around it it hadn't been classified yet so it was still very speculative and secretive there he's saying this in reference to there was a um a china lake facility yeah uh what was it like eight miles from where they were i think that's about right yeah and one of the the possible explanations or one of the the speculative explanations was that he egbert went out there with the intention of getting close to this facility to try and see something you know for the reason that people the same reason that people try and go get close to area 51 i mean i could see that with with egbert not being a bright man and <laughs> somewhat of a dick yeah uh and just chugging bourbon and bud ices and in, in hunting for a military facility i'm not it's not my place to make a judgment right now i I, well, I agree with you though it doesn't seem like a very good explanation for what happened and also we don't really outside of the fact that there were those things in the vicinity of where they disappeared there isn't any evidence that's leading us to that conclusion they there's no, no personal I, I journal think, there's no yeah, yeah. anecdotal evidence from friends that that was something that he was necessarily interested in i think mahood is just addressing yeah 
some of the rumors and speculation that was going around at the time that he sure. first got introduced to this case. Okay. The last theory that he covers is that the Germans came across some sort of criminal situation that they got robbed mm. or mugged or that they came across one of those drug manufacturing facilities that apparently were in the area well, and Jesse were and out there in the area. They got, yeah, right. right. And they pop, got, pop. they got disappeared. People are not supposed to find those people. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, they were also within a few miles of uh, Barker ranch, which if you're not familiar is where the Manson family spent a lot of time. Ooh. Oh boy. I missed that part of oh, things. Really? Oh boy. Shit. Yeah. They were, they were within, I think 10 or less, t- 10 or fewer miles of, Basically, what became the Manson family ranch, Ooh. where they were originally arrested at this ranch. Liven. Yeah. So he, he puts out the the possible or the hypothesis that they came across somebody doing something illegal and secretive in the desert and they got offed. Or they found people who didn't want to be found kind of thing too. Right. Right. Again, there's no real evidence to support that, right. but it seems possible it's the the clues i think in these situations are more uh like exterior sort of these are the things that were around them that could have been contributing forces based on just pure proximity alone mahud dismisses the the criminal one the criminal hypothesis pretty quickly though because they left all of their money and their bank cards and stuff in the van yep yeah that's what i was wondering did they bring anything with them no, and they, they would have had well, to already have been stuck. So that it wouldn't explain why they were out there in the first place. And then they got, okay, so they got stranded because their van got stuck because they were trying to off road their Plymouth Voyager. <laughs> Jesus. If they then got. Turns out that's a bad idea. Mugged. A guy or, named Egbert going to be that stupid. <laughs> His name is Egbert. <laughs> he should be a scientist who works with Beaker. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. His wallet was still there. Her wallet was never discovered, but there was also no there was no activity on any of her bank accounts or any of her lines of credit or anything. So you would think if you're going to rob somebody or if you're going to off somebody, you would maybe also take their belongings. You yeah, know, well, didn't they empty didn't these happen. things out too? Which the, things? Their, their 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 credit cards, their bank accounts had to have been emptied by then. If they're going to be asking for money from Germany. Um, I think his were. That's a good point. But I don't think I don't necessarily think hers were, because they I had guess said I don't know. there had been no attempted transactions. I guess would have been the other thing. So they would have had some some documentation yeah, an of an ATM attempted record, work. I mean, yeah. you know, that would show up. Sorry, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. No, yeah, no. You're, I mean, it's a good it's a good point. But I think to Spencer's point, the fact that the cards were found in the van, yeah, signifies that no one even and also, tried. If you were robbing them, you wouldn't know that their accounts were. Sorry, empty. I'm on this, still take their wallet. I'm on this idea of them running somewhere, trying to disappear still. Yeah. So, like, why wouldn't they take some of that shit? I mean, even just some cash or whatever, a right. camera. Why not? Yeah, no, for right. sure. Right. So none of those explanations really worked for Mahood. Yep. And he started to look pretty seriously at the area south of where the van had been found, primarily because it seemed to him to be the only area that hadn't been hand-searched during the original investigation. $80,000 multi-hundred-person. Yeah, and based on topographical maps that he could find, it seemed like it would be at least possible to cross on foot. He didn't have any reason for them to be going in that direction, 
But the fact that it seemed technically possible for them to have gone that way on foot and the fact that it wasn't an area that was searched in the original investigation. It seems strange in, an invest- in a search they wouldn't do a circle around in there, especially in a desert. Well, I think the issue was they had so much area to cover. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you yeah, go look, if you go look on Google Maps, like it's a huge amount of area where there's really nothing. So what they did was they narrowed it down to okay, we know where they were headed. Yeah, yeah. We're going to look headed towards the pass. I get, right. I get. What so you're we saying. know the direction they were trying to go. We're going to look in that area first. Yep. Then we're going to try and identify if you were stuck here where would be the closest places to try and go get help, and we're going to hand-search those areas. Yeah, word. Okay, they that makes did, sense. They did search this area south of where they found the van, but only by helicopter, not actually so with not people a, down a, on the yeah, ground. extensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not, yeah, they only went, like, to a certain point, and, and basically, I think, I think kind of came to the conclusion that, like, well, there'd be no reason for them to go south. There's nothing down here. They wouldn't yeah. have, you know, seen on a map like, oh, we got to go in this direction. So they kept it moving in the other direction. And from their original search from the air, they didn't see anything that warranted further investigation. Okay. But Mahood comes to the conclusion that, well, that kind of has to be it because they searched everything else. And I don't know why they would have gone that way, but it seems possible that they could have. Yeah. And they're not showing up anywhere else. So maybe... Mm-hmm. Tomahood is not uh, an official um, character of any kind. He he doesn't. As he's a, doing this because he wants to. He he basically yeah he he is trained as a rescue worker because he got trained as a rescue worker intentionally, but he is not being tasked with figuring this out. Yeah. He, he basically just took a personal interest. He, he exactly he took a very personal interest in this case and was like his I tweets think, are his own. Yeah, his tweets are his own. <laughs> He uh, he seems to have felt like uh, something about this doesn't add up, and I think I can... Maybe, maybe the part where they didn't find anybody? Well, right, yes. <laughs> yeah, like bones or some shit would yeah. make some sense. Um, and, and, and yeah, to that, to that end, he took this on as a, I'm going to look more into this. So, so everything that we're about to talk about in terms of his sort of uh, sussing out of how things happened is of dude's own accord with his own money and his own time and and all that stuff. So his first step after coming to this conclusion that somebody should probably search the area south of the van, his first step is to go out there by himself. So he takes his truck out there solo, drives into into the valley... Did the whole drive your van into a ditch thing? Yeah, I was like, right. don't do that. Right. <laughs> Come uh, on, the, the, the last people that did this disappeared, bro. You, you might you might not want to do that. Did you learn nothing? <laughs> don't worry, guys. He brought a case of butt ice. He's good to go. <laughs> he didn't bring a sixer. He brought the whole case. <laughs> so he makes his first trip out there by himself, and he's able to locate the the site where the van was. And the site, the the aspirant butt ice location. He takes some photos. He brings a, a GPS device with him and records the GPS coordinates of these locations. And he just kind of looks around for anything that may have been missed in the initial investigation and any have, being actually on site on the ground. Looking, He's looking for any reason that they may have headed south. So standing in that location, is there anything 
on the horizon to the south that looks like an establishment of some kind or is there a trail or just anything? So his first trip out there was just to kind of, he did a, like a day hike, surveyed the area, took photos, took GPS coordinates, and then headed back. Based on that and based on all the research he's able to do online and from all the information that other investigators had gathered, he forms this hypothesis about what likely happened to the Germans. And he lays it out as such. He said their rental van was due back in L.A. on July 26th and their flight was the next day on the 27th. They probably did not have much or any money as they had made two attempts to one successful, one not successful to have more money wired to them. They obviously were not familiar with the desert or the road conditions because not only were they from another country that does not have deserts, as far as I'm aware, Gorder. You're just not looking close enough. (laughs) (laughs) But they also, um, they just weren't equipped for it at all. They thought that they would be fine in a minivan. They obviously were incorrect about that and they got stuck. So that we know that they weren't familiar with and equipped for that route. He comes to the conclusion that they likely decided to go through this canyon en route to Yosemite National Park, which is, I'm not sure exactly how far, but basically due north of this area within a day's drive is Yosemite. Yeah, multiple hours drive away from here. But yeah, yes, but, but due north in California for sure. Yeah, and doable within within a day. Yep. And would have likely been a destination for international tourists if you're in that area. Definitely. So they decide to go to Yosemite via Death Valley because maybe they wanted to sightsee, maybe it seemed like the most direct route, whatever. Yep. They obviously didn't know what they were getting into and that obviously created a significant problem for them, but kind of makes sense if you're not familiar with the area. They are broke, as far as we know, they have literally no money. Yep. And not they, that it would do them any good out there. Well, he says this to say that they may have chosen a different route if they were to camp at, uh, a, at a campsite, a paid or, campsite, yeah, a hotel, yeah, yeah. or if they were to stay at yeah. a cabin or a hotel or something. He thinks that they probably took this route because they also, it would be remote enough that they could camp just wherever for free without being hassled. <sighs> yeah. So they get out there, they get about two and a half miles in, and the conditions are way worse than they anticipated. There's not really a road. There's not a clear path. They are in this wash of this canyon, and they get three flat tires, and they get stuck. So they're really in some shit. Sometimes it's not your night, man. Thanks, Hannibal. (laughs) So they make a couple bad decisions, but kind of understandable decisions in, in maybe the same way that some of the missing 411 people made one like not horrible decision, but one that led to a bunch of other not horrible decisions. Right. That when you add them all up leads to one horrible decision. Right. So they get stuck and they're, you know, several miles from any sort of civilization, any sort of water, anything. It's 124 degrees. They have a map with them because they, they found one in the, in the van. About eight miles to the south of them was the China Lake Naval Weapons Center that we referenced earlier as the the military installation that potentially Egbert may have been interested in. Yup. So if you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere, you know that there's a military installation 
a walkable but far distance south of you. Right. That seems like a place where you could probably get some help. If you, you know, there are going to be guards, there's going to be some sort of patrol, you could walk up and say, hey, I'm fucked. We're stranded. My family needs help. They're going to have supplies. They're going to have vehicles. Yeah. They're going to have whatever you need to, to get some help. So Mahood puts together the hypothesis that Egbert wandered about a mile, mile and a half out from the vehicle to a point where he would have been able to see this installation, which would be the, the Bud Ice and Butt Print site. He sees the location. He goes back to the van. They mm-hmm. camp overnight, which would explain some of the, the food wrappers and the, the couple of shitholes that they found. Yep. And then in the morning, the whole family ventures out in an attempt to reach this military installation. Right. Which, across a fairly flat desert, may have looked closer than it actually was. Sure. You would have been able to see it's it across yeah, the horizon. 120-some degrees, you know. Not realizing that an eight-mile hike through a 120-degree desert is mm-hmm. not going to really probably work out for you. Or a four-year-old. Yeah, that too. And you, that's, got, you got little kids with you, for sure. Yeah. I mean, an 11-year-old, okay, maybe, they can yeah. maybe keep up, but you have a four-year-old four with you. That shit's, right. no. A four-year-old can't do much, right. <laughs> much less right. hike eight miles across a 120-degree desert. Well, and, and you think about, too, if the probability is that the four-year-old is not doing any hiking, then that means that one of the adults is then carrying, or either either staying with or carrying the four-year-old, which is adding an added added burden to the whole thing. Mahood decides, based on this information, that it's enough to search the area south of the van. Yeah. That there, he now has at least some plausible explanation for why they may have been in this area, and it's the one area that wasn't covered at least thoroughly in the initial search. Right. So he identifies an area south of there and starts planning his search. Yep. There are three sort of small valleys along the route that they would have had to take. So the area where the van is is sort of in this, and again, if you want to go search uh, or go look at the otherhand.org or we'll share as much of it as we can on our website. for sure. But these are all photos that Mahood took himself and yep. owns. We'll just link out to him if we yeah. if we don't embed him, you'll see him. So there's this area, it's this wash of this valley where the van was located. There's sort of these three valleys that run south of there on a line towards the, the military installation. Yep. And it's not obvious for maps, at least, which of the three would be the, the easiest path. So Mahood goes out there with the intention of his first step is to identify which of these three valleys they would have most likely traveled through and then search that area. Can I just say what a badass this dude is to be like, yeah, four fucking German people died here like 15 years ago. And this dude is in the middle of death Valley national park in like very aggressive conditions being like, all right, guys, we got three valleys. Which one are we searching first? Like he's like <laughs> well, he's so pot committed to this whole fucking concept of like hunting down what could have possibly happened to these people and he's literally gaining nothing personally from this entire situation. And by the end of it, he and on his website he discourages people from going out there cuz he's like, yeah. "Hey, yeah, I've been out here. Real. Yeah. I've been out here many times. Well, he was I don't trained, yeah. And that too. I've been out here, I'm trained, I know what I'm doing, I had help. I don't plan to ever go back out there cuz 
a couple times I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> really said that? Yeah, he was like, Damn. I don't recommend. Like, I'm in shape. I hike. Yep. I'm trained. I know what I'm doing. I had help. And it was still looking back on it. It was a bad idea. I probably shouldn't have done it. During one story, he outlines a specific situation where he was so um, he he went like I, I'm gonna mess up the terminology, but it's like hy- hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic. Uh, it's hypo or hyper. I don't know. The I can't remember which one it was, but basically, he had been hiking in hundred degree temperatures for days at a time with a thyroid condition he wasn't aware of. With a thyroid condition Oof. he wasn't aware of, and basically like. Thought he was gonna die in the desert, kind of thing. So yeah, was, I think and, and I some think of that these hikes formed his like don't fucking do this kind of shit. Well, and he was doing 15, 16, 17 miles a day sometimes hikes, Jeez. and in an area where so he would bring in water, but you can only bring obviously as much as you can carry. So he's bringing a forty pound pack full of water, but then at some point you have to find water, right? So he had marked... Is that even possible then? He, he had marked on his map or with GPS coordinates where there were oh, natural okay. springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd have to hike to that, fill up water. He buried water on several yeah. points along. So he would bring bottles to fill and then bury so he could come this back to them. dedicated as fuck. Right. I mean, that, I think that to me almost in some ways was one of the most impressive elements of this entire story is the level of dedication that this one person put into going... I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I'm just going because I to, want to. Yeah, just because like I feel like the people who have disappeared have been wronged by whatever resources did not properly yeah. find them. He mentions multiple times in the way that he writes through this about the families who got no closure about their missing relatives and how that was a motivating factor for him to be like, if I have both the ability and the desire to potentially bring clarity to that situation, I'm going to keep doing it. And that was like a fuel that kept him burying fucking water in the desert to go back to, to rehydrate. Yeah. Total fucking badasses. The real hero of this whole thing though, is his buddy Les, who he recruited to come with him. Yeah. Who doesn't know anything about this other than Tom is like, Hey Les, what do you what are you doing Friday? Oh man, you, I was gonna stay home, man. Just like you know, read a book. Oh, are Jesus. you sure? <laughs> hey man, are you sure you want to stay home? Or instead, so how do you he, feel about 120 degree temperatures? You were my wingman, Les. 20, 20 mile hikes. Yeah, right. Tom plans out this first hike, and he recruits Les to come with him. Les, for whatever reason, agrees to do it, and they head out there with the uh, the intention of identifying which of these three valleys would have been the most likely path for the Germans if they were indeed heading south towards this military installation. They reach the three valleys and they decide to split up and search the valleys. No, thank you. They have walkie t- nope. <laughs> They have walkie-talkies with them and they're keeping in touch with each other from opposite sides of this valley. Mm. Hey, bro, you dead yet? No, I'm cool. <laughs> you dead yet? No, I'm cool. Mostly. All right, cool. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. They talk about how a rattlesnake followed them for a long time. Like that, that alone. Uh, also, no. nope. <laughs> I hear, I hear shaking and I'm going home. Like that's yeah. desert maracas. Like again, we're getting back into the city boy thing here. You know, yeah, for like, sure. That sounds weird. Let's go back home. I want to go to an essay. <laughs> you know what I also think there about in no that moment? There are no maracas out in the desert. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think also about in that moment? Turns out those German people are definitely dead one way or another. And yeah. me being here is not changing them from being yeah. dead. And I might become dead if I stay out here. So I'd rather not join those German people in their becoming of dead. snake just like behind you? Like, what's and up, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, 
shaking my ass at you. Let me get that number. <laughs> Y'all looking for some bones? <laughs> so pretty pretty soon after they split up, less walkie-talkies, Tom, to say, I found a wine bottle. And I found some pages from a day planner. And the writing is in German. You this might- is 15 years later? Yo, 15 this years is, later. Uh, 12. This, this is from 96 to 08. Yo, 12 years 08, later. 08 <laughs> or... Oh, you're sorry. Oh, nine. 13 years. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. A number of years later. Plenty. How did that shit Pl- not blow away? A wine bottle? No, a piece of paper. Well, it was oh. a wine was, bottle like it. It was in a planner. Like oh, a, like a book. Like okay. A, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've got like a back before. No, I remember. I have a planner now. I'm just okay. still, I'm old as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he finds this, this planner and a wine bottle. Calls Tom over to check it out. They join up. They start searching the area together. They also find a wallet that has Cornelia's ID in it. They find another Bud Ice bottle. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they find a toothbrush and toothpaste, part of a shoe, and they find some human bones. Ay, ay, ay. The bones, however, appeared to all be from the same person, which... Explains some things, but also raises a bunch more questions. Which person do they know? It appeared to be an adult. Oh, I'm so, scared. I'm these kids, man. That's all I yeah. keep thinking about. You got two dumb German motherfuckers. <laughs> Just well, dumb. For sure, one. One, Eggy. Yeah. We don't know her. Yeah, but. Cornelius or whatever the fucker the name is might have been around. Chugging Bud Ice bourbon yes. and wine? Yes. <laughs> Jesus. He's trying to forget the fact that his name is Eggy. That's <laughs> really, and really forget, the whole point of this trip. And forget the fact that it's 125 yeah. degrees. You, oh, come on. So Tom and Les have this little discussion about, okay, this is clearly important. This is clearly linked to this case. Yeah. What do we do with it? Do we leave it here and try and flag it somehow or mark it so that hopefully... The Rangers or whoever can come back and find it later. Do we take it with us? Yeah, it's bones, especially. If, if there was a crime, are we now disturbing a, a, a crime scene? What's the best course of action? They decide to leave everything except for the ID where it was, mark it so that they can find it again later, and bring the ID back to the park ranger's office so that they have some credibility in terms of like, yeah. no, we really did find something. It really is linked to this case. Which is smart and kind of makes sense that you would, you would like, if you bring back a shoe, they're going to be like, okay, you have a shoe. But you literally right. have an ID that has the disappeared person's picture and name on it. Like, right. it, 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 to me, it's the most sensible piece of evidence you could bring back is yeah. the thing that designates that there was a, the person who disappeared And there. immediately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And probably isn't going to disrupt a crime scene yeah. that's been a crime scene for 13 years if it is one. Yeah. Right. You're not doing anything that the weather and the elements didn't already do. Right. So they bring this stuff back to the to the park ranger station. This, at this point, the county sheriff's department and the FBI get involved. And they bring out... I'm skipping it a bunch of stuff here. I don't know if... I, I think it's probably about time okay. to... I mean... Th- well, yeah. go ahead, and yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll kind of fill in what you were just about to say. The sheriff's department and the FBI get involved, and they recruit P- 
people to basically start this search up again. They get a hel- couple helicopter teams out there and they go out to the site that Tom and Les had marked where they found these things. They collect what they had found out there, the bones and the shoe and the, uh, the bottles and stuff. But their search doesn't turn up anything more than what Tom and Les had already found. They also were not, from the bones, initially able to ID it or pull any DNA from it because it had been out so long, in the elements bleached. for 13 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, Tom is then sort of, he's done with the case in any official sense. He's done his part. He passed it on to the, the sheriffs, to the FBI. But he's not really satisfied with how it turned out, and he thinks that there's probably still more information out there. He's only found, I mean, at least one of them died out there but he doesn't know who, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know what happened to the other three people. And he decides to make another trip out there. Beast mode. The dude is unstoppable. <laughs> um, yeah. doesn't how old is give this dude? a fuck. That's I mean, a great question. I don't... We don't know. There are pictures, again, if you go to otherhand.org, there are is pictures. Is he in any of them? Yeah. Oh. Les and Tom have taken pictures of each other throughout the process of some of Man, they're just good buds. <laughs> they're, they're, they Dude, literally, we all deserve a lesson in our life. Yo, you know for what real, I'm saying? They literally, no one deserves an Eggie. Like <laughs> no one deserves an Eggie. <laughs> Eggie included. <laughs> all right, let's drink 60, 64 ounces of peanut butter noir. And let's just fucking go that way. <laughs> Hey, I love you. Let's do this. Bring the kids. This way to Costa Rica. Hey, I'm pretty sure Area 51's around here. We're going to find it. Um, Yeah, no one deserves that in their life at all. Um, so he decides to make another trip out there. That, just to your just to your point, Gorder, I think he's probably like in his at the time this was written, which was in the last five years. I think he was kind of in his like it's maybe not how math works, but that's okay. Well, the, the last post on his covering of this whole uh, topic was in 2012. Okay. Uh, that so, is how math works. Nice so work. that is kind of how math works. Uh, burnt, the, last, the, last, <laughs> the last five to eight. Sometimes it's night. last five to eight years, if you want to go from beginning to end. Um, he, he appears to be in the photos to be kind of in his like maybe early 50s. Okay. Uh, like late 40s, early 50s. I, maybe You can make 50s. a movie about Mahood. Like, right? Yeah. That's. Yeah. The, the relentless the compelling. And I feel like you haven't told me everything that I want to know yet. But if you combine, if he teamed up with Politis, Yo. we, we find Bigfoot tomorrow, bro. Tomorrow. It's yesterday and we robot grandma yesterday and like three thousand missing people Dude, just send less and mahood up to the northwestern forest just yeah. saying yeah <laughs> <laughs> tom decides to go out there i think he went solo again right um yeah for this dumb motherfucker yeah for, i mean for what it's good worth, on him but jesus bro you're lucky you didn't die yeah part part of what when spencer was looking at me going i think i surpassed a few things the, there's a bunch of trips that happen here. There are a bunch of hikes, a bunch of... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of them are solo with t- just Tom going, you know what, I'm going to go just like check out this area for a little bit. And some of them's like, hey, Les, you, you busy this afternoon? Oh, you don't want to watch a football game? Cool, come with me. We're going to go look for dead people. Like, <laughs> it was a lot of kind of small trips, like day hunting hikes small areas, stuff. day yeah. hikes, etc. Yeah. I think on one of his solo trips, though... It, it was, yep. He finds some German health insurance cards, a set of keys, and a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, so just to clarify too, Tom is continuing to move southbound While from the where... While the FBI is still investigating. 
I think the the reason he was annoyed and decided to start looking at this stuff again on his own is because they had found the one set of bones and been like, eh, you know, good enough. They they died out there in the desert somewhere. They did sort of. They did sort of from the impression that he got based on his connections he had made with that group of people for, sort of felt like they decided they if we found one of them dead having hiked this far yeah like we're not going to go look for individual bones but we can pretty safely say that the family hiked this far and died somewhere in the wilderness which like and he didn't feel fully satisfied yeah. by that explanation yet i guess 13 years later after having dropped six figures in Plus into this investigation, like hundreds of people. I don't totally yeah. blame them. Yeah, I get that too. Hey, kids, you don't have art class, but guess what? We found some bones of some Germans mm. from 13 years ago. Right, I mean, right. At some point, like you do have a budget and you do yeah. have an obligation to not put your employees in dangerous situations. Yeah, too. Right. that's a very good point. I don't know. And that's when people, you know, Mavericks like Mahood comes up, right? Yeah, and just takes care of business. He said, "Not today, Satan." <laughs> 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 We go find. Get behind me. We go find you Germans. <laughs> so we find some health insurance cards, a set of keys, a pair of sunglasses, which I believe he turned over to the sheriff's department uh, or marked in order for them to find. Yes. Um, and he also gets word from, I think it was the sheriff's department again, that they had been able to pull some DNA from deep inside one of the bones that they located and that it did indeed match that of Egbert. Oof, Eggie went down first. There's no surprise. Well, well um, we don't know the order, but yeah. that, that's who they found near the pile of butt ice bottles. <laughs> yeah, right. Man, but, but I, I should, it sucks to laugh at a dude dying in the desert by himself. No, but, like, but he could at least have a better drink to go out on. <laughs> well, get some Zima or something. <laughs> yeah. That's a clear Pepsi. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. I think um I think the reality is the first set of uh the first set of bones and identification cards was adult bones and when they were able yeah. to genetically identify the fact that the second set of bones was male they inferred that the girlfriend was the first set of bones they found and that uh, Egbert was the second set of bones okay. and then at that point they had found two of the four missing people in the desert and this was now 2010 yep and that is when they officially called it saying we found the two adults likely yeah there's no way that the kids made it any yeah. further than this. They no wouldn't way. have been separate, separated from the adults, most yeah. likely. We can probably say that this is where it ended. And I know we've kind of we've kind of joked about it, and I don't mean to I don't mean to be like to bring it into an even darker place, but actually some of the theories and suppositions around the finding of the bottles is potentially that the girlfriend was left with whatever liquids they had. So the bottles yeah. that were found near her were like, she couldn't carry on. So here's some liquid and we're going to keep going to try to see yeah. what we can find I mean, kind of thing. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, yeah I'm not trying to make fun of people. Who no, die. no. And, and yeah, obviously, I mean, it's funny it's, to me. Yeah, but, yeah, for sure. No, I, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not, you know, putting anybody on blast. I mean, we've, we've been joking about this whole time, but, but, but that is yeah. sort of the end game theory that people Oof, are kind of saying. It's fucking sad, man. Yeah. Shit. yeah. But it's... This story doesn't... There's no happy ending, which is why I was trying to make it <laughs> as light as possible guess, on the way through yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I guess disappearing people never really have yeah. a super happy ending, but... It's an interesting story to me in that from... If you just look at it from the initial reports and the initial investigation, it looks really weird. Yeah. There's no reason for them to be there. There's no trace of any of them. They did a very thorough search. Like, this is a missing 411 case. 
In a lot of ways, yeah, it is. Yeah. In that, I mean, I having read several of these books, I could imagine seeing this case file of like, they were this family from blah, 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 and they were on this sightseeing trip, and they mysteriously abandoned their vehicle, and there were no... Yeah. There were no traces of them, and they weren't able to be tracked, and they did this four-day search. And it's like, it's it's the same thing that's described over and over and over again in the missing 411 books. Right. And what it took was somebody saying, like, no, fuck that. Something happened, and I'm going to figure it out. And he did. Yeah. And, w- it, and it took, like, this dude honestly risking his life several times and probably some other people's along the way, and spending a bunch of time and a bunch of his own money mm-hmm. on just saying like, no, that's not good enough. Yeah. There is an explanation and fuck, I'm going to find it. Right. And he actually did. Right. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And it's not that weird. There's nothing paranormal. There's nothing strange about yeah. it. It's sad, but it makes total sense. Right. Like they got stranded. They didn't really know where they were. They were kind of desperate. They took a chance in what they thought was probably their best option. Yeah. And it didn't work. Yeah. And this area is so big and so harsh and so remote that like, <clears throat> yeah, no one had been, literally no one had probably walked that area in 13 years because there's no yeah. reason to. Yeah. I, they definitely weren't robbed. You know, and the, right. that theory goes right out the window. To me, it seems like, um, and I, I'm putting everything on Egbert, which isn't necessarily fair because I don't know about the lady. It's also probably right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) mean, dudes, we're just not the best. Uh, um, It's real. But, uh, like, it's a man at the end of his rope. Like, this is somebody who is falling apart. Right. And is just continuing to fall apart. Yeah. And leading others to their death, unfortunately, including kids. But it it also, I, I think it also gives some credence to the idea of, like, it's not one big mistake or one big yeah. uh, monumentous event that causes things like this. He looked at a map. It seemed like the shortest route. His girlfriend agreed, like, yeah, that seems to make sense. They did it. It worked for a while. Yeah. Until it did. Yeah, how far do they get exactly? I mean, they were they were two miles, two and a half miles from the nearest road, but they were like decently far into the park. Yeah. And, they had been on the road for a better part of a day, I think. Yeah. And they got, they got stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, like, they didn't know the area. They didn't have the right they water. They weren't really prepared. Food. Yeah. Yep. They took a risk and it didn't it didn't pay off. Yeah. Like, there was no one moment where they just obviously made a totally wrong decision. It was just a bunch of little stuff that ended up with them in a really rough spot. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the first and most major element of it is, you know, even though a van with three flat tires doesn't help you much, I feel like leaving the vehicle is, like, one of the worst things you can do. I mean, you have... At least you have some shade. At least you have... Well, someone would have seen it. Gasoline. Yeah. You could be seen near the van. Well, that's what every survivalist says is to stay the fuck put. Right. In any situation. Especially don't, when you don't know where you are. Yeah, don't pull <laughs> right. some survivor man shit. Not survivor Forge man. Ahead. He's, he's boss. Who's the other one that, that was off? Bear Grylls. Yeah. Don't, like, jump into a river and try to swim to a town. Like, right. Just right. stay. Right. And that was, I think, like the the first domino in the whole, like, ooh, this is gonna go. Poor. Well, and the stakes instantly go through the roof on all of those 
follow the, all of those decisions that follow. Right. Because you, because everything has hella gravity when it when it kind of carries forth. One one mistake could be the death of four people at that point. Which yeah, it was. It which was. unfortunately. So was. they never got the bones of the kids, though, huh? Um, they did find some bones that, uh, again, like to your point earlier about um, unable to like DNA identify yeah. what they were. Um, there was a there was a later. Follow up where they found a what appeared to be a child's clavicle uh, that was similar in location to where Egbert's remains mm-hmm. were found, um, but sort of Damn. further away. I know I was holding on to some weird thing that you always hold on to, even like when those like disaster movies. You're like, you know, maybe he'll like pop up out of the yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. Like, just maybe one of them made it. Yes. You know, like, Sorry you just, that this whole yeah. story yeah, was no. just a <laughs> toilet sort of a bummer. <laughs> toilet bowl churn into a flush <laughs> is all this. Well, is. I really enjoyed the butt ice bits. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, if you're gonna disappear, you, I mean, God knows we're gonna be drunk on our way out. Oh, right? yeah. Hopefully, everybody in this room, <laughs> if we can prefer it. Do you think there's a, a level of alcohol where if it's so weak, it actually does help hydrate you? See, I've wondered that. If, if you're at like 2.8, is it is it actually worth drinking? You know what I mean? Sure, sure. That's there's the gotta thing. Be, there's What's gotta, the cutoff? I mean, think? there's water and beer, not yeah. to be like whatever, but like that is a big part it's of what something, beer it's is. Right, but feel good to taste it when you're thirsty. Yeah. There's water and whiskey too, and that's not going to help you. There's well, got to be like a threshold. Yeah. Three, like three, two. You think it's got to be lower than three, two? I don't know. I would, where, where it's it, actually like doing more good than harm in a hydration sense. I just I w- had a Miller High Life. I feel refreshed. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, like I feel no alcohol at all in my system. <laughs> I just feel refreshed. I, I would imagine <laughs> it's a time thing, right? Like if you if you if you drink beer over a certain amount of time, and then you no. get to safety, you'll be hydrated enough, but it will dehydrate you after, kind of thing. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know science I don't think so. or I don't biology. Either. I don't either. No, that's yeah, I apologize science. for asking <laughs> any sort of science-related question. Did you guys know uh, the further north you go, uh, there are more shooting stars? <laughs> Yo, and I've you heard also that. grow one foot with every passenger. You realize that's a that weak girl. old callback at this <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to cut that out. <laughs> uh, we're totally leaving that in. <laughs> all, right. Um, all right, you guys. So that was part three of "What If You Disappear." The Death Valley Germans is unfortunately kind of a sad story, but. A fascinating story, I think, when you look at the context of a story like that as it relates to some of the David Politis stuff, if those David Politis missing 411 cases potentially had a Tom and a Les on the case, maybe there wouldn't be so many of those cases because I think it is pretty obvious that institutions that put a lot of people and man hours and effort and time and safety at risk, uh, they they call those things, uh, we don't fucking know what happened, but that person's obviously dead at this point, so we're done now. And 13 years later, that man went on a, I mean, uh, all of these trips that he took were over the course of what, six, seven, eight, nine months almost. It was a, a year or years, plus. I guess. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely he, years. He found the story point. in 08 and that's right. It wasn't settled until Shout 2010. Out to that's right. Tom and Les yeah. guys, good job. So that was like a level of commitment that was required to figure out what happened in this disappearance. And it is, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's an interesting juxtaposition to the ones where it's like yeah it is it's a really good these people are gone and they're gone yeah you know those people seemed like they were gone and they were gone but they were for 13 years right right um but 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 maybe and hopefully those families got some closure off of knowing that they're you know they're 
families weren't subject to a criminal act, that they didn't go try to disappear and start a new life in fucking Costa Rica or whatever. They do, however, have to live with the shame of their choice of beverages. Yep, that's yeah. true. The butt ice. That's, didn't look good. That's the, that's the family drink of choice at that point. Whoa, baby boy. <laughs> um... All right, you guys. Gorder, thanks one more time for joining us. <laughs> hey, thank on the you, guys. you guys. Podcast. Are the best. Appreciate yeah, you. Thank you. Um, send us an email. Hi at whatifpodcast.com. Visit us online at the whatifpodcast.com. Everyone was pretty ugly, but it was still a pretty good time. We did have a pretty good time. Uh, we love you. <laughs> I am pretty and good. <laughs> <laughs> as always, we'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Hey, guys, really quickly. We still need a few more people to fill out our survey at whatifpodcast.com slash survey, or you can just scroll down a little bit and click on it in the show notes. It's super quick. It'll take you less than 30 seconds. I think it's only six questions, and it really helps us to be able to keep making this show. We, it's totally anonymous. We won't get any information tied to your email address, nothing. So please click on it down below or go to whatifpodcast.com slash survey and fill it out. Thanks.